From KGW News, this is Straight Talk with Laurel Porter. Hello and welcome to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. A lot of kids are getting ready to go back to school, but because of the pandemic, for most, it's going to be virtual learning once again to start the year. And for their parents, more challenges, as many of them are also working from home. A global online survey from Monster shows more than two-thirds are feeling symptoms of burnout. In this episode of Straight Talk, we look at ways that you can set up your work and school space, how to keep kids active without PE and organized sports, how do we keep them active, and how do we manage the stress of the pandemic. We have experts from Providence here to help you survive and succeed. Welcome to my guest, from Providence, psychologist Dr. Annalise Manns. Also joining us, Providence sports medicine manager and sports scientist Matthew Houck with ways to get kids active and for student athletes to stay in shape. Welcome to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you both here. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to begin with our uh, psychologist, Dr. Manns. Uh, help us set the stage for how important this is because so many people are feeling stressed right now. Help us understand what challenges people are facing. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the unknown nature of all of this has just been incredibly hard. And then the unknown duration of it has been hard for folks as well. So like you mentioned, we're starting to see more burnout and burnout can show up in a lot of ways. It can show up in um, how we feel emotionally, psychologically, but what our behaviors are like and um, can really just impact us in a number of ways. So that can be things like changes to how we're sleeping, how we're dealing with stress, lashing out at family members more. It can look like just physical symptoms of fatigue or distress, wanting to withdraw from others. So it it's, can have definitely a big impact. And on kids, research, preliminary research found that up to 20% of kids initially were having increased feelings of depression and anxiety, even just one month into quarantine. So it's definitely impacting a lot of us and, and really important to think about and talk about the things that we can do to mediate that impact. What are some of the things, well, some of the things we're going to talk about, like setting up your work and school space and physical activity we'll talk about with Matt. How can that help us manage the stress? Absolutely. So in the same way that we can be impacted across behavioral, cognitive, um, of physical and emotional domains, making sure that we're noticing and mediating those impacts across those domains is really important. So emotionally, watching for an increase in distress. So that could be feelings of panic, a racing heart, um, just deep feelings of sadness, um, just more increased tearfulness in your children, watching them withdraw and spending a lot of time in their room, not being as engaged as usual. Behaviorally for adults, this can look like changes in substance use or changes in daily routine, just a lot of like loss of motivation or um, relying on maybe less helpful coping strategies. Um, psychologically, this can look like difficulty focusing, difficulty thinking clearly, all of those things. So as we think about strategies to help counteract those pressures and that burnout, it's really helpful to think in those domains too. So really working to notice what's going on for you, paying attention to the changes in yourself and also changes in your children. For preschool age children looking for 
regressions in behavioral development, um, increased tearfulness, changes to their behavior, school-age children, increased just distress and um, wanting to spend more time in their room, adolescents um, kind of increased again, distressed, depression, anxiety, worries, wanting to withdraw and spend a lot of time in the room. Those are things to watch for also that indicate that distress and burnout might be increasing. And then in each domain to really try to to notice what's going on and then name it. I'm feeling more overwhelmed. I'm feeling stressed. I'm feeling burdened, sad, lonely, isolated, whatever it is, the feeling, just working to really notice it and then name it. And then what I'm encouraging my patients to do is really work through identifying what that need is and then how to navigate it. So if the need is in an emotional domain and there's just really increased feelings of sadness, really thinking through what what is the need that might be here. A lot of my patients, it's been feeling isolated or lonely. So then getting creative and thinking, how can I navigate these feelings of um, loneliness in a way that's really going to be helpful to me? So thinking about things like um, socially distanced gatherings outside. Um, Some families I work with use this really fun term of double bubbling, finding um, another family that they do socially distanced activities with in a safe way. Um, Getting creative about playing games online with other kids things like that. So if the need is like a feeling of loneliness related to social isolation, really leaning in there, if it's behavioral, like, you know, trouble sleeping or changes to appetite, um, really thinking about changes to the sleep routine. Uh, Maybe you're not going to bed early enough. Maybe you're like spending a lot of mindless time scrolling and thinking about behavioral changes you can make to meet that need. So kind of along the continuum, just being really curious and compassionate about navigating where your distress might be coming from and then getting really curious uh, about what might help to alleviate that distress. Well, let's bring so, that let's bring Matt in now because you're talking a lot about the stress yeah. that the kids might be having. How important Matt is a physical activity right now because so many kids are missing out on recess and PE. That's exactly right. And when you think of a normal day for, you know, an elementary or grade school student even up into junior high, um, they may have blocks of recess built in already to their day, in addition to physical education courses. But then in addition to that, they have general physical activity from walking from class to class or to the cafeteria, and they're becoming unplugged from that normal level of physical activity. And when we're in the home setting, they may be, unfortunately, really sedentary in their own room, in the living room, uh, wherever it may be. And so what we're finding now coming into this period is that there are some things that we can do in the home environment to help build back up those just primary basic levels of physical activity because as is stated by you know a lot of different organizations we want students of that age uh, to get at least 60 minutes of physical activity each day and hopefully preferably it's moderate to vigorous, vigorous physical activity and through recess and physical education, they could check those boxes. And then in addition to that, if they were participating in sports after school, uh, they were absolutely getting that on most days of the week. And so now in this home environment, one of the real keys that is going to be crucial for students from you know kindergarten all the way up to junior high and in high school as well, is actually scheduling time, devoting time, not just every you know two hours or so that they would typically have maybe a recess period at school, but in the home environment, 
we may recommend more frequent shorter breaks, possibly every 15 to 30 minutes or every hour on the hour of just getting up and getting general physical activity, walking around the house, going up and down the stairs if you have it, getting up, stretching and moving. But then in addition to that, scheduling time for 15 to 30 minute breaks of dedicated fun physical activity. Some of it's structured, yes, structure play is important. Those things can be highlighted on our Providence Sports Medicine website. We have outlined a lot of cool, fun ideas um, to help yeah, keep kids active, to help get kids exercising. So they, those are great options for the home environment. But then in addition to that, those times that are also scheduled and devoted for unstructured play, where kids have autonomy to do fun things, to keep active, that's really the key to getting them through this period while we are in a different environment uh, to keep those physical activity levels where they should be. Do you have some tips, uh, Matt, on how to help parents motivate their kids to get up and get moving, some favorite activities? Well, I think that's the key there is we have to emphasize fun. And then I'm a big believer in the idea of giving them the autonomy to choose different fun activities. So you may give them a selection of things, whether it's you know, uh, a neighborhood scavenging hunt, and I'll, I'll borrow this from Dr. Mann in terms of the double bubble idea. If 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 things are safely maintained in terms of distance and that double bubble has been maintained for a safe and appropriate period of time, stuff like a, a neighborhood uh, scavenger hunt within a house or within, you know, two yards or whatever it may be, you know, double bubble bicycling in the neighborhood, hopscotch, outdoor activities are key while we still have the decent weather to utilize that. But those are some ideas to keep things fun so that parents can help keep kids motivated to continue with those things. Fun and also give them a little control. Give them some choice so that they can choose the things that are fun to them. They'll be much more likely to adhere to those things. And let me bring uh, our doctor back in, Dr. Manns. How important, as Matt was talking about this with physical activity, how important is it to have a schedule for kids? And, and what can parents do to help keep that schedule? Yeah, I think it's incredibly important to have a schedule for kids. They really thrive with routine and structure. And so having a schedule with exercise time built in, having a schedule where they get up at a set time every day, where they eat breakfast and their meals at a set time and then do their schoolwork for a set time is incredibly important. And it just helps to maintain a sense of normalcy with all of the changes that are happening. And then I, I really loved this sense of giving children a sense of choice and the decisions they're making and in their schedule that really sort of pulls in the idea of helping to develop intrinsic motivation by really helping them to feel engaged, giving them a sense of ownership over their schedule, over what they might like to do for their exercise breaks, when they might like their breaks to be as much flexibility as is available. Um, with whatever virtual learning program they have, but really trying to help to develop that kind of ownership over what they're doing um, and what they would like their routine to be. So you really, we want to avoid kids you know, sleeping in really late through the day, getting started late, and then just spending their whole day trying to work through their school material. That's going to lead to feelings of just being really stale and just feeling unproductive and having a difficult time. So the more consistent to a, like a typical school schedule we can stick to with some flexibility and some child choice in there is gonna be helpful. And for older children and adolescents thinking through, this is kind of a practice run for independence, 
um, for college or for adulthood of maintaining their own schedule and motivation and getting some, some buy-in that way can be really helpful as well. What about setting up our, our workspace and our classroom space? How important, Dr. Manns, is that to, to helping cope with all the stress? Absolutely. I think having the differentiation in space is so important. Really, as humans, we do thrive off of boundaries and routines. So setting up a space with your children where they mostly just do their schoolwork and a space as, an, as the adult where you're working from home, and then really using that space as much as possible just for your work time. Thinking about creative ways of maybe having a basket with all the children's school supplies that's located in that setting, and then keeping boundaries around your time spent in that space. So when you take your breaks, leaving that space, holding to being in that workspace just during school hours or work hours, and then really focusing on leaving that space once those work hours are done to maintain the sense of work-life boundaries that we all really need and thrive off of. Um, with your kids, again, giving them a sense of ownership what, how would you like your space to be? Where can we set this up well? Good spaces are gonna be more structured, like a table and a desk for kids ideally. If, if they're, we wanna avoid doing work on our beds because that can end up in influencing our sleep and making us sleep not as well. So really trying to think about environments that are structured and good for focusing, like a table or a desk um, that's comfortable where all your materials and supplies can be there right there with you. Matt, we talked earlier uh, about burnout and the symptoms of burnout and how so many people are feeling burned out as we approach six months now working from home and, and being in the classroom at home. Can you give us some advice even for adults on what we can do as far as physical activity to try to, to counter those symptoms of burnout? You know, I touched on it a little bit just prior to this, but I really believe while we still have some of the nice weather that we've been experiencing this summer, Take advantage of outdoor activities, obviously at a safe distance. It can be as simple as a midday walk before or after lunch. Get out, get some atmosphere on your skin, feel some fresh air, walk, get your heart rate up, maybe listen to uh, some music, a podcast, whatever it may be. Get out of that environment, get the heart rate up a little bit. It's not too overly taxing. I, I'm a big believer in that lunchtime walk as it is, or lunch meetings if you're allowed to take and sit a call you know, via head buds as you're walking, that 15 to 30 minutes or even 30 to 45 minutes, depending upon the time period that you have, something as simple as just getting yourself outside, out of that environment, elevating the heart rate for a moment of time. It's adding in extra physical activity, which is great. And number two, it's a mental, re uh, mental reboot of the day as well. Good advice, thank you, Matt. Dr. Manns, uh, should we be checking in with our kids to see how they're feeling and what's the best way to do that? Absolutely. I think that that's really important. I've been encouraging lots of parents to just do a daily check-in with their children by both acknowledging the things that felt hard and the things that went well. So that's one thing I would encourage. We want to support children in being able to identify the things that feel hard and their feelings about that, while also identifying the things that are going well that they're feeling positive about. 
So having kind of an expanded view on things. So one fun way I will use with my patients is to ask them what their apple of the day is, what's one thing that went really well, and what their onion of the day is, what's one thing that went really hard. Um, for children who are a little predisposed to being a little bit more anxious or worried, it can really be beneficial too to just notice how your child is doing through saying something like, you know, I've noticed that it seemed like math felt really overwhelming for you today. How are you feeling about that? So in that way, they can feel really like, like you're aware of how they're doing, that they're seen, and then it can open for a greater conversation about how they're doing. So just regular check-ins, I think just acknowledgement and validation that this is a hard time, that they are disappointed about not being able to go back to school or at least a lot of them are, um, and then what's feeling hard for them and what they feel like is going well. Um, and then also asking, you know, how do you need my support or help with what feels hard? Dr. Annalise Manns, Matt Hauk, thank you for joining us. It's time for us to take a break. But when we come back, Matt's going to share some tips for us on conditioning for student athletes. And we'll also have more important information from our mental health expert. We're back in two minutes. Welcome back to Straight Talk. I'm Laurel Porter. These are unprecedented times. We're going on six months dealing with challenges we likely never dreamed of. Working from home in isolation, many with children who can't go back to in-person classroom learning and are once again learning remotely from home. How do we not only survive, but succeed? Providence psychologist Dr. Annalise Manns is here, along with Providence Sports Medicine Program Manager Matt Hauk. Welcome back to Straight Talk. It's nice to have you both here. Let's begin with, with Matt on, on tips on the best ways to really help our student athletes who've been missing out on practices and training. What advice can you give them? This has, to use a cliche term, absolutely been an unprecedented time, and particularly for athletes. When you start to think of athletes at the junior high level, the high school level, the collegiate level, whether it's high school sport or club sport, university sport, um, being unplugged from their competitions, from their games and normal daily practices for so long, they've never experienced that before, probably since that they you know, were first athletes back way back in grade school. So to use the term unprecedented, I think is absolutely appropriate. But something happens when athletes are unplugged from the game for so long on such a consistent basis. Um, their bodies are really adaptable to activities. But when you remove those activities, the changes that those bodies go through, I'm going to use a term that's maybe a bit aggressive, but they regress back a little bit. It's not that athletes forget how to be athletes. It's not they won't stop being great once time to come back to sports comes around. But this is an absolute, this is what we know from things that have been going on around the globe in regards to the return to sport. When you're unplugged for this long, the bodies need to stay active. Nothing is going to compare, uh, prepare an athlete for the demands of competition like the actual games themselves or high levels of practices. Now, there's nothing that student athletes can do to replicate the intensity and all of the work that they experience in a game when they're at home. However, we at Providence Sports Medicine wanted to address that need of how do we keep athletes in the game from home. So we created a totally free at-home performance program. It's available on our website. It's a totally free program. 
that athletes of any age can log into. And this six-week program is specifically designed for athletes to participate in each week, gradually ramping up activity over a six-week period. And over that six-week period, you end in a space where your body can return to higher levels of intensity and more intense strength and conditioning activities after being unplugged for so long, to sports practices, and then eventually when the time comes, the sport competitions. That six-week period, as I mentioned, there's a gradual ramp up. Why? Because we've been unplugged for several weeks and now several months, as you mentioned, coming back from break. It's been almost six months now that we've been experiencing this. And so you can't just jump right back into the deep end, go into the highest intensity practices, and then try and play games without really boosting boosting your risk of injuries. So that at-home performance program, no sign-up required, totally free, requires no equipment. You can do it in any type of home environment. If you're in you know, your house with a big backyard and a side yard and a driveway, or if you're in an apartment with just you know, a hallway and a sidewalk out front, we wanted to make this accessible to all sport populations such that when the time does come, athletes will be stronger and more resilient against some of the types of injuries that can happen upon the return to sport. I know you've looked at some studies about uh, players who have gone back after the pandemic and, and the risk of injury. Tell us about that. You know, in the world of professional soccer, this is, um, it's a pretty big topic and we can learn some lesson from what happened in professional soccer um, in Europe. Uh, one of the first professional leagues, not the very first, but one of the first professional soccer leagues in Europe to return to sport after uh, the COVID layoff was the German professional league, the Bundesliga. They didn't have this several month layoff, although it was several weeks, they did have a layoff and they were kind of training remotely. But this is what happened. This is what was super interesting. When they were finally allowed to return back to team training after that several week long layoff, only several weeks, not the six months that we've been experiencing, they had a very short ramp up of only two about two weeks of practices as a team before they played their first games again. And then they played games often over the next several weeks. And what happened? That league observed an injury rate per game that was three times higher than before the COVID layoff. And so the simple lesson we take away from that is this. Even professional athletes who are only away from several weeks at a time, if they don't have a proper ramp up back to that normal level of intensity that they're used to, you will see heightened levels of injuries upon the return to sports. So for our youth athletes, high school athletes, and collegiate athletes, it is so important to, quote unquote, keep in the game mentally and physically from home before we return to in-person activities, which are slowly starting to happen at some high schools around the region. Thank you, Matt. And I want to quickly ask Dr. Manns, we only have about a minute and a half left, but some people may be feeling a kind of grief about the loss of their old life, the way things used to be, that it isn't better yet. There's no normal yet. Are there healthy ways to cope with those feelings? Absolutely. I think just acknowledging that these are hard times is a really helpful place to start. Acknowledging that we are kind of going through a unique collective grief where there's lots of losses of daily routine, of ability to be in the workplace full-time, physically, loss of contact with friends. So I think the things to really lean into are to first acknowledge and create space for those feelings of grief. 
and to then really lean into your support systems. Exercise, we've talked about a lot today. Exercise is medicine for so many things, and that's true for mental health and the grief process as well. It's such a good way to metabolize out the feelings that you're holding inside. Um, and then also knowing when you might need a little extra support and um, seeking a behavioral health provider through a Providence clinic or any other kind of mental health professional to help you walk through the losses that you're feeling. Um, but journaling about them, creating extra time for self-care, making sure that as your stressors increase or as your feelings of loss or burnout increase, you're matching that with an increase in the coping strategies you're using, the self-care you're doing, the rest and exercise you're getting, really making sure to balance the need you're feeling with the care you're giving yourself in a compassionate way. Dr. Annalise Manns, Matt Houck from Providence, thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Talk today. Thank you. Thank you. We always feel it's important to share this Lines for Life number with you. If you or someone you know needs to talk to someone, it is available 24-7. The number is 1-800-273-8255 or 273-TALK. We also have resources available through Providence in our web story on the subject on KGW.com and also that website that Matt Houck mentioned about conditioning. We want to thank them again for being with us. And thank you for watching. Be sure to download our podcast. It's available wherever you get podcasts. Search for KGW Straight Talk. We're off next week to make time for a special Inside Woodlawn episode. We'll see you in two weeks for Straight Talk. Stay safe.